0: This is Air Commander Starscream, and you are listening to Half Measures! Uh, half Measures? Sounds like Megatron's battle strategy! <laughs> <sighs> I live in the American Gardens building on West 81st Street on the 11th floor. My name is Daniel Whiting. I'm 42 years old. I believe in taking care of myself and a balanced diet and a rigorous exercise routine in the morning. If my face is a little puffy, I put on an ice pack while doing my stomach crunches. I can do a thousand now. After I remove the ice pack, I use a deep pore cleanser lotion. In the shower, I use water activated gel cleanser, then a honey almond body scrub. and on the face. An exfoliating gel scrub. Then I apply a Herb Mint face mask, which I leave on for 10 minutes while I prepare for the rest of my routine. I always use aftershave lotion with a little or no alcohol, because alcohol dries your face out and makes you look older. Then moisturiser. Then anti-ageing eye balm, followed by final moisturising protective lotion. There is an idea of Daniel Whiting, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity. Something illusionary. And though, I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel the flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable. I am simply not there. This is episode 105 of the half Measures Podcast. I'm joined by my friend and co-host, Paul hour Speak plainly, Paul. How you doing?
1: <laughs> Kia Dan. Speak plainly. Thank you, uh... Mr. Putin, uh, I was quite surprised by the Mint Herb face mask, uh, and also leaving it on for 10 minutes felt like quite a long time. You should be
0: more surprised about the thousand crunches.
1: Yes, yeah. yeah, <laughs> there was a number of things that were uh, unexpected in that intro. I really appreciate that. Do you want to shed the shed the light on that one?
0: Well, it's been a long time since I've done a bit of a, a monologue intro, and it I is. thought to myself, you know what, today's the day. And so I, I went searching, and I thought, you know what, I'll, I'll call on a favourite movie of mine, American Psycho, and, and just give you the full monologue. And just, I thought, you know, can I do the whole thing with a straight face? And I got through it all. I'm quite proud of myself.
1: I always love that you never tell me what you're going to do as well, so I can be just as shocked as everyone else. You're on the spice, Dan, and I love it.
0: I am on the spice. Now, Paul, before we get into it, it's been a bit of a wild week because you and I met face to face for the first time in what feels like a a, a long time. Is it, is it oh. the first time this year?
1: Oh, definitely the first time this year. I actually think it's probably closer to four or five months or so i don't know it just feels like a long time months um so yeah it's good to see you in in 3d and go and have a spot of lunch we had lunch together and you wouldn't believe
0: it we sit down we we, we go and get a lunch at a a favorite venue of ours um we sit down in the park it's a beautiful sunny day and then all of a sudden we're surrounded by what half a dozen lawnmower men who are Line trimming the entire grass, we're getting grass blowing everywhere. We're just trying to have a nice peaceful half-misters chat, and we spent the, at least forty-five minutes yelling at each
1: other—literally shouting because I couldn't hear a single word, and I knew you couldn't hear me. And also, these these line tri- trimmer guys—why are they using line trimmers to do the entire lawn? Why aren't they using a lawnmower and just trimming, you know, the edges with with the line? And also, the the, the way in which they're doing it is such a haphazard manner. I feel like. Uh, I could have found a much more efficient way for them to have done that.
0: I'm very intrigued by the lawn trimmer. Like, I'm only, it's a new uh, tool in my toolkit. And I'm not very good with it. But the fact that these guys were mowing entire lawns with it blows my mind. And it's actually got me thinking next time I mow my lawn, I, I'm going to try and sort of harness some of their techniques.
1: I found it really difficult. It's really hard to eat. I mean, we had the meal we had was with chopsticks as well. And that didn't help. Plus, I was just laughing at the whole stupidness of the whole situation. I feel like if it's possible to get hold of the Wellington City Council lawn mowing planning schedule, then this could be the perfect place for someone to plan to go on like a um, to have lunch with someone that you really don't like, so that you don't even have to talk to them or even have to like hear them, or if you want to go, yeah, you know, it will definitely be a place to avoid on a first date, but if you if you want to come home smelling of grass or if you if you'd like a few additional things blown into your food to give it a truly authentic Wellington taste, this is ideal.
0: I got back to my day job and I was literally pulling bits of grass out of my hair. It, it's outrageous. That's that's why we can never meet again, Paul. That's it. That's, that's it's a, much that's easier
1: over the internet and and a lot safer. I don't even know when I'm going back to Wellington, but it was it was certainly an interesting experience. Plus, of course, we've got the the Wellington protesters at the moment in town, and I don't know how di- how much we should dive into that, but it was an interesting day.
0: I feel like that's a whole different podcast that we should uh, we should probably stay away from. Yeah. But why don't we go back to uh, our age-old tradition. What have you been watching?
1: All right, Dan, I have watched James Bond, The World. Sorry, <laughs> The World is Not Enough. I was about to say The, the World is Enough, and it's like, that doesn't feel right. Um, so this is the penultimate uh, James Bond for uh, Pierce Brosnan. Uh, I haven't seen this one in a while. Uh, this is the one where he uncovers a nuclear plot, whilst protecting an oil heiress from her f- former kidnapper. Uh, I I really did come into this sort of thinking. Oh, this is this is getting a bit of a, a hard hard review from most places. It sort of hasn't aged necessarily that well. But there was a lot in this movie I still really enjoyed. I really like the opening scene and the chase along the Thames it was one of the more sort of intricately done and well thought out do you have much of a memory of this one Dan?
0: Uh, Not really like I'm even just looking at the poster looking at sort of a few of the the scenes on IMDb and it's honestly it's a little bit blurry for me all of the like apart from Goldeneye uh, it's it's very sketchy for me
1: yeah, there's. Look, I'm going to put a few things out of this that I really enjoy, but overall, it the the, the the memory and the fear of oh, this isn't that great, was probably overridingly still there. Even though I would say overall it was better than I expected, it's just it's an average Bond. Sophie Masso is probably one of the the standouts. She's really good in this. She sort of got on the well for me. She got on the map big time with with Braveheart, and in this she's really good at drawing you into her cause so that you believe her but it's all lies so she plays that villainous character really well Robbie Coltrane is back again as um Valentin Zukovsky uh he's always good value uh, there's just some classic Pierce Brosnan moments like when he's under the water he uh, and it wasn't scripted he sort of fixes his tie I love things like that but the things they didn't do well in this movie, the so the Robert Carlyle's the villain. There wasn't enough of him as a villain. I would have liked to see more of him as I really like Robert Carlyle as a as an actor. The character, uh, Dr. Christmas Jones didn't really work. It wasn't well written. I don't know that Denise Richards was well cast, but I don't think anyone in that role they would've probably struggled with the character in the way they presented her. Uh, I I don't know, there was there was an introduction of the character R uh, so we've got the penultimate appearance of, of Desmond Noel as his cue and the introduction of John Cleese it was a bit awkward they played him off as a little bit too stupid I think um on reflection interesting bit of trivia I actually met John Cleese whilst I was living in Vancouver at the time uh, just a month after I'd uh, watched this movie and um he actually asked me what I thought of it. And of course, at the time I told him, I thought it was fantastic because what are you going to do? What are you going to say in that situation? But um, the thing I found most intriguing about this was actually when I was watching the opening credits. Um, average theme song, by the way, uh, doesn't it sort of get stuck in your head. But when you compare it to the classic Bonds, it's just not up there. But yeah, the, watching the credits, the writers of this movie, this is the first Neil Purvis, Robert Wade written Bond movie. And the reason I mention that is because when we watched all of our Daniel Craig movies, these guys' names were all over them. So from this movie, The World Is Not Enough, forward, they have written every single Bond movie right up to No Time to Die. So this is them coming to the fore. And given how well written the Daniel Craig movies are, it doesn't compute in my brain that they wrote this. And after writing this, that they sort of kind of got the go-ahead, oh, yeah, yeah, the Bond mantle's all yours, keep going with it. But, I mean, obviously it paid off in the end, but uh, I guess maybe they were just finding their feet.
0: It's interesting, too, because when we normally see penultimate, we normally think getting hyped up, or like this is something big before the last one, but it's kind of, I wonder whether, like, when making this movie, they sort of thought of this as the penultimate in this series.
1: I don't think so at all I think it was uh it's it's unlike the Daniel Craig run this is uh, most Bonds have been an unknown quantity in terms of they could go on for another three or four or five I don't think there's any planning whatsoever and in fact the nature of the next movie which I'll get to next week I don't recall having any sort of finality or feeling of this is my final go um but yeah look it was it's a Bond movie it's always a fun watch a bomb movie there's always something and there. there's a lot of great scenes um but overall middle of the road so when i do give my final ranking this one is going to be this is going to be in the bottom half of the table possibly fighting relegation
0: well i'm looking forward to your your final in this very long review i guess it's been a bit like my my marvel rewatch isn't it where every week there's something more to give
1: there is although i'm even more pedantic because i literally just do one a week you know it must be must be painful for some listeners i'd love to hear if it is I'll tell you something that wasn't painful dan and that was watching a, a mini series uh that i watched this week hbo max mini series that just came out this week called landscapers and this is a show just arrived on neon here in new zealand and this is this was uh one of those shows that didn't get added to my watch list or go into the usual mix for me it demanded immediate watch just it's there press play and there are several Several factors that elevated um, it for a priority one watch for me. So, this one just quickly is, and I'll be spoiler free with this because I don't want to, you know, waste anyone's opportunity to watch it. A devoted and mild mannered British couple become the focus of an an extraordinary investigation when two dead bodies are discovered in the back garden of a house in England. And so, the series is based on the true story of the 1998 murders of William and Patricia Witcherly. I don't know if you remember that but um it stars Olivia Coleman and David Fulis as Susan and Christopher and you know there they seem to be the couple behind the murders and it starts off in the in the text you know Patricia uh sorry Susan and, and, and Christopher have, were sentenced for murder for 25 years to this day they maintain their innocence and it is an absolutely extraordinary watch. It's one of the best TV series, miniseries I've watched in quite a while. Uh, and I have nothing but positive things to say about this, Dan. Um,
0: I think you already had me at uh, Olivia Coleman. Uh, she is such a, a fantastic actress. And the fact that this is what, four episodes long, like it seems like a... Yeah. An Easy Watch, I imagine it's um, very top quality. So you've got me intrigued. It wasn't on my radar at all.
1: Yeah, there's always something so intriguing about, as we've said before, a a true story always adds something. And of course, this is seen largely largely from the perspective of of the two of them. And for me, as you said, Olivia Colman is such an incredible actress. I feel like she could be one of my, certainly TV-wise, possibly like right out there for potential favorite actress i just think she's second to none in real life she is very from what i've seen in interviews and things she's very eccentric she's a very unique individual i actually think she would make a brilliant doctor who and every time she is on screen she just gives great performances and this is right up there and of course opposite her um david thula's another incredible actor you know i was just so much from fargo to harry potter to justice league every scene with these two is just top notch they're both at the top of their game and i felt so drawn into this world and who they are and their story that it makes it a very sad story because regardless of uh, the outcome which was that they were sentenced and and you sort of make your own mind up as to whether you think that was right or wrong you do f- well. I found myself really feeling for them the whole way through as as misunderstood individuals, and and they do this. I won't talk spoilers, but they do do this one great thing around. They sort of break the fourth wall in a style that I've never seen done before. It's almost like they're in a play or something because they they sort of move from set to set at certain points in the in the series, and they make no attempt to obviously do that in the style of a normal series they they make it obvious that they are recording this as a show and they are moving from one set to the other and so like for example when they're when they're showing flashbacks so they're in the police interview and they're showing a flashback they'll walk over to that set where the flashback is and and the police characters will interact with the characters from the past and they'll set up the scene how they thought it unfolded and yeah i won't say too much more than that it's just a very unique way of doing things
0: that sounds, um, sounds fascinating. And so mini-series, so no extra seasons or anything, limited series, I, I like that.
1: Yeah, it's closed. When it's done, it's done for sure. It's uh, really emotional. It's it's actually written by, uh, so the creator there is Ed Sinclair. It's written, that's Olivia Coleman's husband. And uh, I thought, oh, he's fantastic. What else has he done? And when you click on him, this is basically his first credit. So um, it's just a really extraordinary effort for him.
0: There is hope for us all in our um, future it. movie, TV show careers. If we want to be directors or writers, you know, at, you know, you just got to get something amazing, and you're away.
1: Yeah, hundred percent. So there's always a chance. So this is yeah, as I say, in New Zealand on Neon, hundred percent recommend this. It's a, it's a great watch. It's got a few good reviews, and it's averaging a seven on IMDb. I think this is um, yeah, this is. Something a little different. and will the list. That down is me for the week. So how about yourself?
0: All right. So a couple of things. So continuing on with my Wes Anderson journey, I've decided to take on another movie. So I've checked out uh, the 2004 movie, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zisso. So this, this was a weird one for me with his other two movies with Rushmore and the Royal Tenenbaums I instantly enjoyed them with The Life Aquatic like this has got a great cast like and it's got the same quirk but I I I don't know if the movie resonated as much with me but in saying that it's a movie that's kind of sat with me since I finished watching it and I've kind of been thinking about it so I do wonder if it's one of those movies that uh, I think over time or maybe with future rewatches um, could kind of grow a man in a different way. So basically here, the the synopsis of this is, with a plan to exact revenge on a mythical shark that killed his partner, uh, Bill Murray, an oceanographer, who plays uh, Steve Zissou, rallies a crew, then includes, includes his estranged wife, a journalist, and a man who may or may not be his son. And it's... Have you seen this movie, Paul?
1: I did. I saw it when it came out. I saw it just that once.
0: Right. And so... Like previous uh, Wes Anderson movies, like this, this was sort of a, almost sort of a, a, a rebirth of Bill Murray's career, right? Like he's, this really sort of put him like back in the spotlight. We've got Owen Wilson, Angelica Houston, Kate Blanchett, William Defoe, Jeff Goldblum, like the the list goes on, and it's it's this real sort of quirky movie, and Bill Murray's character basically used to run this. Like He used to be a bit of a, a hero, I guess, in the, um, in the oceanographer world. And he's kind of near nearing the end of his career. And it's kind of, he's not liking it. And he's got all these kind of quirky characters around him. And I think there's some real sort of deep messages and, and meanings to some of these things, which I just don't think they connected with me as easily as some of the, his, his earlier movies. And one of the things, I, I guess, with this movie is you can tell that the, the budget... For this movie it is, is greatly increased compared to some of its previous movies. There's a lot more uh, action and explosions and just just big set pieces and things happening. But it's still a very Wes Anderson movie. Um, yeah, look, I, had, I don't really know what to say about it mm-hmm. apart from I don't know if I loved it. I definitely didn't hate it. And it's sitting with me in a bit of a weird way.
1: Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment because... When I think of the Wes Anderson movies, I've watched this one falls into the... I don't have an inclination, oh yeah, I really enjoyed that, I want to go re-watch it. I just simply remember thinking it was different. I don't want to use the word weird, or odd, or whatever, but it was It was very different, and it was perhaps a little too out there for me. You know, exacting revenge on a mythical shark... Uh, you know a journalist and all the rest there's a lot of things going on there's a lot of moving parts and i don't know that it all came together but again this is 18 years ago so i can't barely remember what i had for lunch with you this week
0: yeah look and i feel like it's one of those movies that's got like a real cult following right Mm. and there's a lot of people out there that love it i i feel like i need this movie explained to me like and i think and that's never often a, a good thing right like and it's it's almost just a little bit too extra for me. So look, I, I, I'm not even, insane. I'm not even like dying to rewatch it. Like I, I, I feel like I'll, it, it could be a lot, it could be 10 years before I watch this movie again. But I, I do sort of feel like it, it probably needs a couple of watches to really kind of appreciate and unpack it. But it just, yeah, it wasn't an instant hit for me like the other two. You'd
1: probably think that Tenet was easier to follow than this one in some ways.
0: Indeed, indeed. I've watched another movie in my uh, string of movie watching. So I've watched another Marvel movie actually, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. So this is uh, the second to last movie that sort of came out. So we've got um, The Eternals, which is the other one um, I haven't seen. Uh, But Shang-Chi is this is a, a great Marvel movie. It's the introduction of a of a whole new character, uh, played by uh, Samu uh, Lai, who you may remember from oh, um, oh now the the show has completely escaped my mind. It is the Let me look Kim's Convenience. Uh, yes, uh, yes, he's the, he plays the the brother in that show. And this is a this is an awesome superhero movie. It's a it's a bit of an origin story. There's the Ten Rings are kind of. Clues to the Ten Rings and the the organisation behind them are kind of peppered throughout all of the Marvel movies, and this is a you know a a movie that brings that to life, brings this sort of this this life this really kind of everyday hero with um an awesome power. They it's quite sort of mythical. It also stars Aquafina, who every time I see Aquafina hilarious such a, a fantastic uh, actress and, and castmate. so this is a, a really good time and it's one of those marvel movies too where like i don't you don't really need to know the wider marvel universe like you could just jump in and have a good time with this one fantastic asian cast um yeah this, it's just an all-round good time this is on disney plus at the moment
1: what i find most intriguing about all of this is um when you said oh, i've watched another marvel movie so i was getting ready and then you mentioned this for some reason i had not made it not computed in my brain that this was a marvel movie i'd seen um some clips of this or trailers or posters or something but i didn't realize that it all fell into that marvel cinematic universe i had no idea about that I, I, it doesn't make sense to me almost even as you've talked about it now how that fits together
0: well, I think we're, we're into a whole new phase of Marvel movies, right? And so this is the introduction of, of the, the, the next phase. I think we're in, we're in phase four, I believe.
1: Right. And
0: so it, it, on the poster, it's got Marvel across it. But I, I could almost understand why you might see that because it doesn't have the, I guess, the same look and feel to some of the, the, the other Marvel superhero movies that are out. But I think once you kind of get into it, it's very much in that uh, magic martial arts type realm. It's it actually reminds me quite a bit of Mulan for some reason. Just I think the way they mm. they deal with some of the um, magical and sort of sorcery elements, and it's it's you know it's very well done. It's it, like I think the thing is with these movies, particularly like uh, Shang Chi is, it's like it's quite comical, it's quite lighthearted. like it's a it's an easy action watch that I think the whole family can kind of get behind.
1: Awesome, and yeah, just looking at the cast, there's a few other names in there that. You know, I recognise Ben Kingsley, Michelle Yeoh, there's a uh, quite a few in there.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, so Ben Kingsley is probably a great kind of tie back to when we first kind of heard about the, the Ten Rings. Not so much from a, a comic book point of view, but from a, a Marvel movie point of view. Uh, ben Kingsley played uh, the, the Mandarin in... Uh, one of the Iron Man movies Mm -hmm. and so really awesome to kind of again see him sort of connect back into this movie and then I think this is one of the cool things that Marvel does is a bit like the Star Wars universe they've got their kind of timeline all mapped out they know how all of these actors and actresses kind of intersect and I love that they're all kind of make themselves available to to be part of these future projects
1: very good Dan
0: and one other thing that I've been watching, so this is a, a new TV show uh, out on uh, Neon here in New Zealand. I've been watching um, Peacemaker, so Peacemaker is the, uh, switching from Marvel to DC, Uh DC television series um, created by James Gunn. And so it basically picks up where the the 2021 Suicide Squad movie left off, where Peacemaker basically returns home um, after recovering from his encounter with Bloodsport, only to discover that his freedom comes at a price. And this is, uh, you know, for me, when I first heard about this movie, Peacemaker, like I enjoyed him as a character in the Suicide Squad movie. Um, He was quite funny, played by John Cena, um, who you may know from the WWE, a lot of kind of like he, like he's an, he's an interesting, he's he's funny, he's quirky. Before the Suicide Squad, not a character I'd ever really knew much about or had had sort of even seen in comics. But this is a a fantastic watch. So this is a an eight episode TV series, already renewed for season two, and it's basically. It's You know, you're kind of taking this smaller character and, you know, being part of the Suicide Squad, you're, you're on suicide-type missions, and this is kind of him returning to more everyday life and sort of tackling some of the, the smaller-scale um, issues that might be threatening the world. He's got a bit of a team around them, but he's kind of the core superhero. This TV show, funny. Uh, it's got the, the James Gunn quirkiness. It's it's um, it's got a lot of uh, great effects. It's got you know, it's got a bit of blood, but it's not not in an over the top ridiculous way or in, in a horror way. the The casting is fantastic. The script is fantastic. It's got probably the best intro to a TV series I've ever seen in my life. Wow! And it's which is huge, right? And it's it's an intro where it's almost the best part of the show. Every every time you watch an episode, it's just so good. This is a really fun superhero TV show, and it's a little bit different from all of the other TV. Te- like there's a lot of superhero content out there, right? But this is a a really fun, well-made, good time.
1: This is this is one that is firmly on my radar, and I have i've i've held off for now because i really i'm quite into the dc side of things as you know and i really want to see the suicide squad first and so as soon as i get to see that i'm then gonna this is lined up to go in straight after that and i'm just curious because you've you've watched so much of the marvel tv side of things and that's always been of the highest quality from what i can tell listening to you and i'm just how how are dc doing and their yeah, because we've, we've talked about DC TV shows before, and with all due respect, perhaps some of them, I would put Gotham to one side on that, but some of the others haven't always been of the highest quality.
0: This is in a whole other tier. This is, you know, and I I don't want to talk badly about these shows because I think there's, there's people out there who love them, but, you know, if I think about a, a typical DC uh, superhero show like um, Arrow or The Flash or or um super cool like this this is this is more in the the top tier movie quality big budget um hpo special edition everything's behind it as opposed to maybe the more constrained budget a little bit more for the the general audience this this is a, a high quality production and you, you can i think even just by having james gunn involved in it, like james gunn is a bit of a a powerhouse when it comes to both Marvel and DC. Obviously, Mm. you know, behind Guardians of the Galaxy, uh, behind the Suicide Squad, and just to see him bring his talents to the the small screen, it's just incredible. And you can see his, um, his style and his writing and his sort of comedic edge really brings all of this to life. And I think the other good thing about it is, yes it's it follows on directly from the suicide squad the 2021 movie but it also does a good enough job that if you haven't seen that i i think it would be okay it does enough sort of like flashbacks and callbacks but i if you've got the chance you would definitely want to watch the suicide squad first and it's it's a great way to kind of get a bit of an introduction to peacemaker and i think the other thing that the show does really well is it actually addresses some real hardcore things like just to give you an example, without sort of going into spoilers, knowing that you're going to watch it, so John Cena's dad, um, who's actually played by Robert Patrick, who who we love as brilliant, you know, as a Terminator, he's a he's a hardcore racist, and they they play into this in uh not only with um, with comedy, but with with sort of like having John Cena's character being not about any one of those things and kind of you know challenging all those things. Um, John Cena's castmate Daniel Brooks, fantastic um, co-star alongside him. It's it's I, I can't rave more highly about it. I think if you have any interest in kind of good quality superhero content, Peacemaker's definitely a show for you. And at eight episodes long with a a season two already in the works, it's it's a good time.
1: I'm gonna ask the question. John Cena, obviously very famous very successful as a wrestler seemingly in interviews i've seen he seems like a real nice guy as well uh has he got the acting is he is he at that level is he good
0: i think he's good like and i think this is one of the things right like so john cena we were he's already part of the fast family we know that he's oh, a okay. he, he's a good <laughs> he's guy. got a pass um he's got a pass um and I think the type of character that Peacemaker is, John Cena is perfect for. Like right. so Peacemaker as a character is like he's about freedom. He's about America. He's like a he's 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 hardcore. And I think it, it aligns quite well to, to John Cena. And the thing is like John Cena is a huge unit, like you know, like that, that guy's at the gym all the time. He's he's down in Rory X, he's on the spice, you, you know, like it's he's a he's a big guy. And I think the type of character he is works so well with I think a sort of wider castmates that help sort of tone it down or you know push the sort of the the plot or the sort of emotion of the of the scenes in different directions. But I, never once through this did I think John Cena, you're a wrestler. I, I literally thought of him as you're John Cena, you're peacemaker.
1: Because there's a few that have come through now and have been really very you know you think obviously Dwayne Johnson, um, Dave Bautista. I don't know who else. Yeah, look, I
0: know what you mean. They come through a bit
1: successful, you know what I mean?
0: Y- yeah, I think what it is is sometimes like I don't know if you've ever watched a movie and you see that it's uh, produced or um, supported by the WWE, and often that those movies can be a little bit uh, full throttle, all action, um, over the top wrestling moves, and just kind of like they're a real popcorn movie. I think this is so much more than that. And I, you know, to, to John Cena's credit, I think he does a good job at kind of um, pushing you outside of the wrestling realm.
1: Nice. Okay, well, you've got me intrigued, and it's definitely on my watch list anyway, so I look forward to getting the.
0: Yeah, no, definitely. So you can watch uh, all eight episodes right now on Neon, and the only reason I actually did come late to it is they were dropping it episode by episode, yes. and I wanted to kind of save it up. And it was a it was a very fun one to save up. But make sure when you watch it, you really you know take the time to appreciate that intro. I'm telling you, Paul, it's a it's a it's top ten.
1: Uh, we always talk about intros and what's the best intro, and there's so many contenders for that. And for you to come out all guns blazing. This is the best intro I've ever seen. Is that's a massive call, so I'm now excited. You've set the you've set my expectations.
0: You know me, Paul, on the spice. Um, it's 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 a good time, a very good time. Shall we uh, transition over to our movie of the week?
1: Indeed, and this week we uh, we've we've got a movie to talk about. That it was my turn to choose two movies, and then chose which one of the two I put forward. Uh, you can join us on the watch of this movie uh, every week by just going into our Discord community and checking out what we're watching. If you click on the, the, the link in the show notes right on your little device there, just scroll a little bit further, you'll see the link, and you can join us. This week, Dan, we watched Spencer.
0: Yeah, so uh, synopsis for this movie. So during her Christmas holidays with the royal family at the Sandringham Estate in Norfolk, England, diana spencer (laughs) i'm really butchering this aren't i diana spencer struggling with mental health problems decides to end her decade-long marriage to prince charles now this is an interesting movie paul so it kind of caught me off guard a little bit and i guess for two two reasons so one i'm kind of intrigued when i when i sort of first heard about this movie spencer i thought this this looks interesting I have been long meaning to watch The Crown and I presumed coming into Spencer, I'd be watching a, a movie version of The Crown about um, uh, Diana, Princess of Wales. And I'll tell you, it couldn't be anything further from the truth. I felt like I was watching Bly Manor, the horror show. Um, and it was a very, you know, we talk about these movies that are, Claustrophobic, or you know, sort of sit in you know tight, tight sort of areas. Mm. I I felt the the burden of this movie the whole time I was watching it.
1: Yeah, I know what you're saying, and I I am the same. I love those movies in a tight confined space. I've always talked about that, and it's it's a real, um, it's a real thing I seek out. I echo everything you said. I felt the same way, thinking what I was coming in to watch as a big fan of things like the crane and the style i like the style this movie but i don't like it for this movie and i'll explain what i mean in a while but I, I didn't like the style too much for this type of film i thought it just i don't know if it was because of my expectations i just didn't feel like it worked and you know the so much of um fiction is uh, and it's the case with anything I guess when it's based on a person's life so much even when so much is known about them it is a fiction and to be honest I struggle to believe some of the things that Diana was saying or how she was saying or the specific language that she was, she was using I mean it may well be spot on but for me everything I've ever seen or read it felt like they dialed it up way too much and sometimes that's okay but there's something about and this is my struggle with this. There's something about Princess Diana and who she was and what she represented and how she was treated and, of course, how she died. That this movie and how they how they portrayed all of those things just didn't sit right with me. And I'm not saying that as a royalist at all, because I'm not. But it it just didn't work for me.
0: So if you if you haven't watched this movie yet and you you're not following out a score, so we kind of introduced uh, Diana arriving um at the estate and she's well, first of all she gets lost on her way there she's driving in her in her porsche um the whole movie is very much from sort of um her point of view and how i guess how horrible everyone is to her and she's meant to be there for christmas dinner her kids are there you don't actually get a lot of time with the other mem- – like almost no time with the other members of the royal family. And I thought that was something quite well done. It really kept the focus on, mm. on Diana because you yeah. weren't kind of wondering about the, the, the wider family. And it kind of dives in and out of events. And a lot of the time it's kind of her um, – Anxiety about going into the into the different parts of the the Christmas Eve dinner or the the family photo or um, being being outside shooting with the boys and it's kind of it's a uh, it, it feels heavy right because she feels like to me like such a, a lonely character and um, this uh, who has no control over her life and everyone's horrible to her from the um the, the white staff to the butlers to the people that dress yeah. her and she's just it's it's hard right and i think i don't know what this movie is sort of intending to do like i think it, as a as a piece on kind of like making you think about the, um maybe what her experience was like or sort of the the loneliness i don't know it just i don't know what it was kind of trying to do
1: yeah no i agree and i just like the talking about the confined spacing, I also agree with you around how they didn't show you too much of the other members of the Royal family and they kept that. And I, and I like the idea of exploring a singular viewpoint and not being privy to conversations between the other members of the Royal family. I and mean, for another thing, the, the support cast didn't convince me either as other members of the Royal family. So I wasn't actually interested in seeing them either. And I feel like I've been spoilt by the crown and, um, because the, one, the other positive thing that came out of this for me was um, Kristen Stewart's performance, because the last two movies I've seen Kristen Stewart in have, have both been sort of okay movies, but with her giving really good performance, and this is definitely the case here with this. I felt like I've seen a few different portrayals of Diana recently, and this, for me, I thought she got mannerisms, the look, the movement, the voice... I thought all of those things she did so well, which is probably why it was so disappointing that the other things just didn't, didn't work. And that style of direction that I said was very good, not for this film, but as a manner of telling a story, showing a person who's highly strung, who's on edge, who's anxious and having to deal with that. It was, it was, it was very, a very stressful manner of directing that added to that flavour.
0: Yeah, I I think you're right. That's a good shout. I think um, Christian Stewart's portrayal of this was exquisite. Like, I don't know a lot about the royal family. I I, I definitely remember that moment when Diana died and kind of the the world almost sort of stood still. And so so from that sort of regard, I remember always seeing her on the cover of magazines and the supermarket and stuff like that. And I think all of these... the, the look, the mannerisms are spot on. I think the one thing the movie did do for me is it actually made me think about Meghan Markle and, you know, the sort of, like, so you've got someone who's trying to sort of, like... um be part of this family, but from from the portrayal of this movie, not not accepted. And that's very much kind of the Meghan Markle story that we kind of hear in the media. There's someone who um, wasn't having a good time, wasn't uh, wanting to sort of um, bend to kind of like fit their life around this kind of uh, royal lifestyle. Yeah. And it sort of made me think about what that looks like. It also made me think like – if you're William or Harry, like, would you watch a movie like this or would you just stare clear? Because it kind of, it, there was parts of it that I was kind of like, is this the story that needed to be told or, uh, I don't know, it, it just left me kind of like, and, and saying that, like, it wasn't bad, it was just, I I just don't know whether I, I got something good out of it.
1: And I think what you've just described there is exactly how I'm feeling about it f- f- for this story for this individual because i think they absolutely would steer clear of it and i've even heard i mean who knows what's true but i've even heard that the the crown or certain seasons of the crown has been watched by members of the royal family i even think they've commented or something somewhere but this i feel like they would definitely be be steering clear of it's um yeah i mean the death was it did the world did come to an end i remember i was living just outside of london at the time and i went i went to the the side of the road for the funeral where the where the car drove past and i remember just being caught up in this the nation's mourning and it was quite extraordinary but uh this portrayal and i have i've read a lot of people that have sort of defended the movie and sort of have sort of bit back at some of the critics sort of saying oh you you know you're too close-minded or you're it's because it's not the crown you're not comfortable maybe i'm old-fashioned maybe i'm not open-minded enough i don't know but yeah as i said it wasn't what i expected and even though i'm in no doubt that her life at this point must have been a, a lonely isolated scrutinized hell and the, and the way they i just felt the way they extrapolated that and 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 portrayed that on screen it didn't feel like something i could believe or buy into and so i ended up frustrated and waiting for it to end
0: yeah it's interesting isn't it right because obviously uh diana isn't here to either support or sort of tell the story of of this and i think you know like obviously mental health isn't a a new thing but i think in the last decade or so it's it's slowly becoming more understood and more appreciated and i don't know whether like it it kind of feels unfair to have this portrayal like like whos who's version of
1: events, is this? That's right. I think unfair is a fair word. The one thing, I just looked through the trivia here, it says Princess Diana's former bodyguard, Ken Morth said, of all the people who've played Diana over the past 10 years, she's the closest to her and she's managed to perfect her mannerisms. So it's frustrating that she did such a good job and yet it was in this, you know, I feel like I'd love to see her play the role of Diana in a different production because I just feel you, you really got it with the word unfair. That just feels... Yeah, it doesn't sit right with me Dan.
0: Yeah, and I didn't like I struggled to believe that all of the staff would be that yeah. horrible. Yeah. Like I like, you know like I have seen enough down to Abbey to know that kind of, you know, there they can be a bit of upstairs downstairs, as as we've sometimes talk about on this podcast. But I just can't fathom. Like like I think they just painted such a picture of alone. And and I get that, that that could be the feeling. That a hundred percent could be accurate. But it just I'm with you. It didn't it didn't feel right. And it's a shame because again, great cast. I think fantastic casting. The the wardrobe, the fashion. Yes. So on point. Really good. Um and I think because of these things, like even what we're saying, it's probably not gonna hit enough marks for people to probably want to watch it, which is probably a bit of a like I don't know. I don't know how I feel. It feels like a bit of a shame. It feels like, as you say, it would be good to see Kristen Stewart pick up the crown again and maybe a, a, another format, but often that's not the way that these things play out.
1: Exactly. And it's another thought I just had, Dan. I don't know if you picked up on this or whether you watched it on a big screen or small screen, but I thought the quality of the film, the, the, the film itself in terms of the resolution, it felt – very it wasn't standard definition but it wasn't high definition it wasn't clean and it wasn't crisp and if it was meant to be like made to make it feel of that time that didn't work for me it's like if they wanted to do that they almost had to take it down a notch even further to make it even more obvious it just didn't quite feel cl- clear to me
0: it's interesting right because Sador in our discord chat actually said oh. that people refer to this as a uh, you know almost like a horror film yeah. right and I think that that's and that's why I sort of said at the start, It's kind of got this blind manner kind of right. vision of events to it. I get you. And it, I think the 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 graininess, the muted color palette, the the fact that it's all kind of foggy, feels kind of a psychological thriller. And I actually think this story could have been just as interesting if this was a person um, struggling with mental illness. Yes. Without it even being um, the Princess of Wales, correct? Like, it, and it might have even been a better story because of that's
1: it. it. That's you hit the nail on the head because then everything changes for me in terms of how I watch this and enjoy this. Because you know I, there were things that happened in Landscapers where it was you know a bit different, but it felt it felt fine in that context because it wasn't, as you said, it wasn't the Princess of Wales. So yeah.
0: Also, I think the final thing in this movie that really just blew my mind that really shifted it into the like, what is this, Princess? Of Wales, eating KFC with her two sons down at the down at the harbour. No bodyguards. No, I, I can't believe
1: it. There's there are just a number of things like that that I just couldn't quite believe. But on the subject of food, some of the cake that was in that walk-in fridge, that looked exquisite. And it always seems to be the way that I'm watching TV shows and movies in the evening when I'm starving, hungry, and people are just eating the most delicious things. And this 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 film has some wonderful food in it.
0: Yeah, no, it does. I actually think, you know, I I watched it on the big screen and I didn't notice the quality. I sort of felt like it matched the the tone and the – because even the music, right, like kind of had a real kind of like spooky element to it.
1: The music throughout was – it was sort of the volume level was high and it was playing uh, for long periods of times. I think I said something about something we watched recently. It was similar where it was – uh, what did we watch last week what was our movie of the week last week there was something we watched that I was like oh yeah it's got that real feel oh good time good time there was something where the music was so pronounced and um, yeah I think you and what Sadal said now all falls into place that in terms of that horror vibe just to just just very subtly across mm, the top mm. of it
0: mm. and I, I think if you kind of take out the the royal element into interesting watch with the royal element it's a bit of a swing and a miss for me. And I, as I say, unfortunate because it's, it's quite a good cast. And I think, you know, you and I were talking um, at lunch the other day when we were being covered in grass clippings <laughs> about how you could almost insert some curb your enthusiasm music oh, into, it, yes. <laughs> into this and it would turn it into a comedy. Um, yeah, this is a something a little bit a little bit different.
1: It's interesting, eh, because um, I, when I put the two movies through to you, I was happy with either choice, but I was thinking, oh, it'd be great to see Spencer. So I was so pleased when you said, let's give Spencer a will. And here we are on the other end of it. And I'm thinking, don't always judge a book by the cover, because the cover, the poster, looks like something it's absolutely not.
0: Oh, yeah, I'd be intrigued eh, about, you know, I'm just thinking about, you know, the, the Sunday Rialto Theatre. You know, you, you've, got, uh, you've got your parents going along to a you know, a Sunday afternoon screening. They see Spencer up there. They're excited. They've, you know, they've got fond memories of Diana. Like, do they know what they're, do they know what they're coming into here? And I would imagine, I, I would be intrigued to see a bit of a, a mix of reviews. Like, so if you've watched this, definitely write in and tell us what you think. Tell us whether we're on the mark or whether, you know, it worked for you on maybe a, a different level.
1: hundred percent. I love it.
0: Well, Paul, um, what are we going to give this on the Guns Akimbo scale?
1: I we'll give this one and a half guns. And those guns are earned solely by Kristen Stewart's performance as, as Dina, who makes this, this watchable. And for me just showed how much she has in her locker.
0: I'm a, I'm a little bit higher. I'm going to go for a two guns yep. on this. Um, like I think because it does have some intriguing elements. I do think the cast was good. I do think it was kind of a bold choice to go, uh, kind of psychological thriller, though it wasn't necessarily a movie I'll be racing out to watch again. So there you have One and a Half and Two Guns. You can watch that movie on Amazon Prime here in New Zealand.
1: Indeed. Uh, so Dan, have everything you've watched this week and everything we've talked about on this episode of Have Measures, what's your pick of the week?
0: It's got to be Peacemaker. Um, and yep. it's honestly, just talking about it, that intro, absolutely amazing. If Do yourself a favor. If you're ever feeling down, Paul, look up Peacemaker intro by Wigwam. Fantastic.
1: Okay. You've really got me intrigued on this now. Uh, for me, it's 100% landscapers. Uh, really different to anything I've seen in a while. I'm going to make an early call and say this has a very strong chance of being in my top 10 tv list at the end of the year we'll see we'll see we've got a long way to go obviously but yeah definitely enjoyed that and um do you know what i'm even going to say we've never done this before i'm even going to say next week's peak performance stand, olivia Coleman, because you're right oh, she is absolutely top notch good.
0: good good shout i was actually going to say to you um we should do Olivia Coleman as a big performance. Yeah. And I, I was um real rat saving it up for myself for next summer's my turn. So um Beat you to it. Good shout. <laughs> good shout. Oh, look, I'm actually thinking the same with Beastmaker. like it's already in my contenders for top shows of two thousand and twenty
1: two. Excellent. Well it's it's great that we've both enjoyed something so much because I felt like I've enjoyed so much so recently that I must sound like the most positive person. So it's good to have something like Spencer to come along just to show that I do have some balance.
0: Indeed, indeed. It's important to bring balance to the force. Shall I whip us on over to the news desk?
1: What's on the news desk, man with the spice?
0: All right. So, Michael Chicklis, who you may recall from The Shield, has recently uh, been interviewed about the possibility of a Shield reboot or The Shield continuing. Now, this is a, one of those sort of like bittersweet articles where. Uh, Michael Chiklis has sort of said it's been long talked about, about how they might either continue the story or um, reboot it or or go in another direction. And unfortunately, they haven't quite landed on what that might look like or what the right story to tell is. And I think what's quite good about this is... um, Michael Chiklis has actually said, "We would rather do nothing than do something subpar," and he's actually quoted as saying, "Like it's it's pretty magical to get um, six or seven seasons of a show mm-hmm. to be to be so good." And it's great that people aren't just instantly jumping on the reboot wagon, especially if the show's twenty years old now. So, I thought that was a, a a wise bit of counsel, but still kind of like it piqued my interest thinking that we could be getting more of the shield.
1: It's always it's rated so highly, it's spoken about it so much, and of course you watched it and talked about it as well. It's it's always sitting there on my radar. It's a it could be watched one day Dan.
0: Well, you know, you know when I watched it, Paul, and they then they they took it away, and I had to yeah. like binge all of those seasons. I, that's a, the thing. I've got to find it. Outrageous. Uh, another bit of news: so John Williams will return to compose the Obi One Kenobi theme. This is very exciting, Paul. You and I are both big John Williams fans. And what's kind of crazy about it is John Williams is 90 years old.
1: It's extraordinary, isn't it? This week when I read the article and I started reading it out loud, the person I was reading it to, when I said, oh, I started talking, they immediately assumed I was going to say he passed away. And then I was like, Nah he's working baby he's 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 doing this and it's going to be interesting how that works because he did that with solo so he did the theme for solo but then didn't do this the music soundtrack which was then done by john Powell. but i thought that that combo worked really well i love i mean who doesn't want john williams name associated with a star wars theme so it's exciting
0: it it kind of has to be right like i know that obviously john williams hasn't done other Star Wars TV shows to date, yeah. but it makes sense that he does Obi Wan. Like John Williams is part of the the fabric of Star Wars, and I'm so excited. But I'm also I'm so intrigued about if I'm 90 years old, Paul, and someone knocks on my door and they're like, "Hey, can you record one more episode of Half Measures Podcast?" I'm probably gonna chase them away with my walking stick. You know, like. I don't know i don't don't know if i could do it
1: it depends what the money is on the table but i hear what you're saying it's um it is exciting and you're right having it for obi-wan because we love well i love the music for boba fett and i know we both love the music for mandalorian but it makes sense for john williams for this i'll be intrigued to see if he brings elements of that obi-wan theme from the prequel trilogy and also elements from the original and New hope if any of that plays any influence on this it's uh I, all of this talk of stales then is getting me in the mood for a rewatch of these movies i tell you i can feel it coming on
0: oh i can feel it too it's honestly it's just bubbling away inside me it's 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 going to have to happen um another bit of news uh for the fargo fans out there which i know we are and it's been renewed for a fifth season which is pretty awesome so another season of that i imagine coming later this year or maybe early next brilliant uh, the Wilds, which is a TV show uh, I reviewed, well, probably about a year ago now. Um, season two of that show um, is now coming to Amazon Prime on the sixth of May. So, The Wilds is a is an interesting kind of um, survival drama. Mm. Definitely, if you're if it, it's got some elements of Lost in it, right. but with a, maybe a few more sort of quirky elements. If you're a fan, get up to speed because it's not too far away before we get the second season. And, Paul, this is a real half measure, and I'm relying on you to call me out on this. Did we talk about last week um, the release date of Stranger Things Season 4? Yes. We did? We did. Okay. All right. Then I have nothing more to say about it <laughs> apart from it's still coming on the
1: 27th of May. Indeed.
0: I, could, I thought I thought I talked about it, but I was like, did I talk about it with that, Paul, in person or on the pod? It all
1: just it all all you blurs, it doesn't it? It all does blur. Yeah, no, very excited to have that come back. Yeah. Uh, I do have a couple of pieces here. James Spader has confirmed that the the Blacklist season 10 is going ahead. He's back again. This is a show that I have watched since the beginning. And for the first few seasons, it was just, for me, the hottest thing on TV. It then went through a bit of a patch. But I have to admit, the last couple of seasons have been very close to making it into my top 10. It's been really good quality. And I... Would love to see this one go out on a bang because James Spader just plays that Reddington character so well. So that was pretty exciting.
0: This is a show that has been long on my radar, and I've never watched a single episode of. And I tell you, a lot of so a lot of people recommend it to me, but this, I'm kind of put off by. I feel like it's of the old school, like it was on normal TV, and I yes. and I I think I'm judging it too harshly based on that.
1: It's, it's weird, isn't it? Because that's exactly how we used to watch it, you know, on, on the in the days when we had a terrestrial TV. We don't even have that anymore. We just have the streaming services now. Um, and so, yeah, I know it's the stigma <laughs> that peasant TV, it's terrible because of all my favourite shows, actually, like all the old school, were all from that place.
0: It's funny you say that because that's how I used to watch Sopranos. That's how I watched Lost. And so there's nothing wrong with those shows. But in my mind... I keep thinking, oh, is this going to be up to the quality that I expect? But when people like yourself are raving about it, I probably should give it another go.
1: Yeah. Uh, The trailer for The First Lady looks pretty exciting. No spoilers, but uh, Viola Davis as Michelle Obama, Michelle Pfeiffer as Betty Ford, and Gillian Anderson as Eleanor Roosevelt. Um, Just looks intriguing. Just looks absolutely intriguing. I would definitely be watching that and then the last thing i had here was the director of spider Spider-Man no way home john watts uh maybe swapping the mcu for a galaxy far far away dan uh, as he's reportedly in the running to helm a new and i use the word new uh, because we know about quite a few star wars tv shows but a new star wars tv show so that to me presumably means obviously not mandalorian season three obviously not ahsoka not Lando not the Ackler. I mean I don't know is this another one they've been very very sort of a tight lipped on it but it's it's I'm more Star Wars and you spoke so highly about No Way Home so yeah
0: yeah interesting right I, I just feel like there's there's so much love out there for star wars uh, and and hate but yeah it's, it's with everything star wars but it's a good time to be a star wars fan and what an exciting offer to be able to sort of helm your own show or yeah or movie
1: oh i can't think of anything better i've always talked about with you you know the idea of just walking into the writer's room i would just happily just sit there i just happily be the tea boy and just listen to the conversation it would be great
0: I know right Like I was watching a video A YouTube video The other day actually And it was a um, A making of uh, On a Star Wars set And just seeing Like like Kathleen, And they're just walking around With their cell phone Taking like pictures Of stuff happening How cool would it be Just to walk through the set And just kind of have Like a free pass To interact with things Or take a picture Or I don't know Amazing We've got to We've got to direct something But we've got to write something We've got to Maybe we need some Star Wars fan fiction
1: It's the next step right It's the next logical step uh, the next step for the podcast episode Dan is the mailbag uh, just a couple of things this week firstly the official uh, Instagram for Lee Child's Jack Reacher account liked our Reacher post and then they even have posted a link to our post on their own Instagram story now I'm not saying it was Lee Child himself but hey they do have the blue tick, so I'm considering us as basically we're now friends
0: does Lee Child now know that he uh, signed the book for me and not my flatmate?
1: No, I think that's something that should stay unknown, and you should take to your grave mm-hmm. then. Good, good. Um, our Half Measures uh, producer Trisha Brady, who represents our interests in Europe, uh, was caught on camera this week on a ski slope in Europe wearing a Half Measures podcast T-shirt. I do appreciate rocking the Half Measures brand even on a cold, snowy conditions, no less.
0: What I love about that is it's a peak performance T-shirt, but like you're skiing and you're wearing a T-shirt that says peak performance. It's so meta. It I is. just I love everything
1: about it. It is indeed so nice one, Trisha. And finally, last week's peak performance was Paul Newman. We had five responses to this one. Uh, Jason from Pororo went with Road to Perdition, and I was thinking about this movie this week. It's it really warrants a rewatch. Dan, Paul Newman, Tom Hanks, Daniel Craig. Jude Law, Jason, uh, sorry, Jessica Jason Lee, Stanley Tucci, directed by Sam Mendes. I feel like I need to give this another go. I feel like it's been too long. Good chat. It's a fantastic cast. Pat from Somerset went with 1958's The Long Hot Summer. As far as I can remember, Dan, that is officially the oldest movie recommendation or peak performance we've ever had. 64 years old, that movie, which is incredible. Uh, Michael also from Somerset, went with Fort Apache, The Bronx, and also The The Hustler, which was, of course, the, the prequel to The Colour of Money. Um, another Michael from North Carolina this time, uh, he said, like Dan, I've not seen a lot of Paul Newman films, but two stuck out for him. Ran a rap Slap Slapshot, a hockey movie that I own on DVD, and peak performance was for Hudsucker Proxy, a 1994 movie, which is the second time that's been recommended as a peak performance as it also came up in podcast 63 when we did our coen brothers peak performance and then finally paddy from time traveling team podcast uh, he gave us his 321 uh, another shout for fort apache the bronx cool hand luke and peak performance was butch cassidy and the sundance kid that is the mailbag
0: do you know what I, I love Paddy's commitment to the three two one like we've changed but he's not and I, and I love his commitment to it. it it's so good.
1: he he finally broke his three two one on his own podcast uh, just a, a couple of weeks ago when they were talking about uh, different episodes and they were ranking things and he couldn't find a third movie so he just did a two one and I was I was on the train just listening to that and I just sat there just nodded just quietly to myself and said see sooner or later Paddy you can be broken.
0: A disturbance in the force. Interesting. Well, Paul, shall we uh, jump on over to our peak performance for the week?
1: Indeed. So every week we take it in turns, choose someone, look back at their career and say, hey, what did they do the best? And this week, Dan, your selection of peak performance this week, Owen Wilson.
0: Yeah, this is a bit of a um, – almost like a bit of a quirky choice, isn't it, for uh, peak performance because we, we often do quite uh, quite serious actors, whoever have got – and it's not to say that Owen Wilson isn't serious, but he's often in a lot of – like, he's got good comedic value. And um, – I had a lot of fun picking out my uh, honorable mention and my peak performance because I actually, I love Owen Wilson. I love a lot of the movies that he's been in. And I kind of found myself almost sort of having to rank some of these comedies, which it was quite a tough thing to do. But for my honorable mention, I'm actually going to go with the, um, with one of his classics, Zoolander. So in Zoolander, um, Owen Wilson plays plays Hansel and he's, he's basically the, obviously the the counter uh, supermodel to Ben Stiller's Derek, Derek and what's so great about it is like you know Owen Wilson with his like busted up nose and quirky kind of like honestly comic genius and I just love how kind of like dry-witted uh, he is and he's he's just such a, a wholesome great guy to me so um honorable mention shout out for that one but for my peak performance i'm actually going to go with a more recent appearance which was where owen wilson plays um mobius in loki the tv show on disney plus so again i think um owen wilson brings a, a real great personable dry humor to the show and you know he talks about things and you know this is a a marvel superhero tv show he talks about his dreams of riding a jet ski and going on holiday and stuff like that and it's it's these real kind of like human moments that that just make it so good and i'm so excited to hear that for the the second season of loki we're actually going to be getting more of mobius um and owen wilson so that's going to be very exciting times And that is me. How about yourself, Paul?
1: I love that, Dan. I have to admit, when I thought of uh, Owen Wilson and I was looking at his stuff, I I spotted Loki and I thought, oh yeah, I remember you talking about him at the time and saying what a different type of performance it was for him. So it doesn't surprise me to hear that. It's interesting because, as you say, we often do do the more serious. And so when I thought of Owen Wilson, I immediately started thinking about all the comedies that I absolutely loved him in. And... I was almost certain that one of them would make it for my peak performance. But then as I went through and I looked at what he's done and what I actually enjoyed and where I thought he was actually the most impressive, I actually ended up with with both the films I'm going to talk about, both of them being action thrillers, which I never, ever expected at all. And yet here I am. Honourable mention for me, Dan, is 2015 movie No Escape, uh, which he stars in opposite Pierce Brosnan and and Lake Bell, it's a, a high drama uh, movie about a family caught in the middle of a, of a coup, and looking for a safe escape. And um, yeah, he really holds his own. It may be not the best action thriller movie of all time, but it's a great Saturday night popcorn movie. And he's really convincing as you know as the family man who 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 wants to protect his family and suddenly has to step up and try and keep pace with. with with you know with essentially James Bond you know Pierce Brosnan it looks the part with the gun and all the rest of it whereas it's new territory for him so that was my honorable mention but the the peak performance I've gone with is actually 2001s behind enemy lines uh which I remember uh going into thinking because I went into it because I, I love Gene Hackman and I thought ah, oh, Aaron Wilson really what are they thinking here but he is terrific in this and it's one of his first most serious movies as well because I think up until this point he was only comedies and you know opposite someone as great as Gene Hapman's is so good. At no point watching this did I think of him as a, as, a, as what I would think of as a, as a comedy actor and I don't know that all comedy actors can can cross that line and do it so well and he plays this 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 uh, sort of a soldier or some flight, fighter uh, fighter navigator um and he just you know he gets caught behind enemy nines as the name may suggest if you haven't seen it before and he is top notch in this and so this was a great choice for peak performance though i because it made me think about him again so that when someone says it to me his name again i, I actually think i probably just think oh do you know what he is damn good um yeah
0: it's funny right because the uh, Behind Enemy Lines came out the same year as The Royal Tenenbaums, which I talked about last week on the pod. Yes. And also starring Gene Hackman. And uh, what a fantastic kind of, like, switch in the same year to have these such a, you know, kind of, like, more intense action film to, to a kind of a, a quirky indie film is is fantastic. Uh, it, this has been really tough. Like, I honestly thought one of us was going to definitely say something like wedding crashes yep. or even cars or, like, you know he's in one of my favourite Wes Anderson movies, Fantastic Fox, Fantastic Mr Fox. So, um, yeah, it's been a it's been good to kind of look sort of down this this different back catalogue of movies. Yeah,
1: no, really interesting. And I'm just going to give a quick shout out because I don't think he'll ever come again. John Moore, the director of behind Enemy Lines, he has directed behind Enemy Lines, Flood of the Phoenix, Max Payne, and A Good Day to Die Hard. Movies that probably get a lot of stick from a lot of people, but I am a big fan of all those movies. I've discovered through the process of this peak performance, I'm a big John Moore fan.
0: I love that. Well, Paul, that probably brings us to the end of uh, another episode of the Half Measures podcast.
1: does. We've managed to keep our time down a little bit for those listeners who are struggling with the the one hour 45 runtime of this show uh thank you for listening in this week and as always get in touch if you've got a peak performance for us a movie recommendation or something you'd like to say at halfmeasurespodcast.com or on our social media
0: and as always, a very special shout out to our Patreon producers, Samara King, Trisha Brady, Diana Kanawa, and Linda Tavna. We couldn't do it without you. If you too would like to become a patron of the show and be named a producer, then you can find those details in the show notes below. But until next week, everyone, adios.